Chapter 9 of Down in Water Street by Samuel Hadley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 The Refuge of Crooks. There is a wonderful drawing power in the old Macaulay mission for crooked men. Perhaps more crooks have crossed our threshold than any other public building in this city except the Tombs Prison. The mission was started by a famous crook, and its reputation is worldwide. It has been carried on ever since by men who came from a crooked life, and it has become generally known all over the world that a crooked man will always find a welcome here. He will not be preached to, lectured, nor scolded, but he will be treated kindly. In some way or other, crooked men believe in the genuineness of this mission. I've known men to come from distant cities far away to the old Macaulay mission when they had made up their mind that they were going to turn away from a dissipated life. They got an idea that here was the place to do it, that there was some sort of glory here which beamed upon the crooked man that could not be found elsewhere. Jerry Macaulay was a notorious crook in his sinful life, but when he began to preach the glorious gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ in his own homely and genuine way, people began to have faith in him and they came in great numbers. One of the famous men who were converted here was Mike Dunn, a very historic character. Mike Dunn was born in Ireland. His father was a thief, his mother was a thief, and every member of the family, as far as I can learn, was a thief. His father was transported to Van Diemen's land for almost a lifetime sentence. Before Mike was ten years old, his mother, his aunt, and himself all found themselves locked up in prison on separate charges for stealing, and at last were put into one cell. When Mike came over here, he made no improvement in himself, but went to stealing for a living. He served term after term in the state prison until 36 years had been spent behind the bars. The last time he left Sing Sing Prison, the writer was told by Mr. Connickton, the head keeper, that he said, Mike, I will keep a cell for you, for I know you will be back in a short time. Mike waited on the head keeper, and they were great friends. He told Mr. Connickton that he would never see him back there again, but as he said that every time, no one believed him. He came to the old Macaulay Water Street Mission, and here Jesus spoke to the poor, hardened soul. There seemed to be a power here that he had been a stranger to before this time, and emotions filled his breast which he had never before known. He came up to the mercy seat with the rest, and Jesus saved him, and to the day of his death he never returned to the old life. He went across the way from the mission and started a home in a cellar for poor, helpless ex-convicts who, like himself, had nowhere to go. It was simply a matter of faith, although poor Mike did not know much of faith at that time, but God was leading him. His cellar was quickly filled, and one after another got work and helped along with their wages, what little they could make, to put into their household treasure. From there he went to Bleecker Street, to a better home, then to Mulberry Street near Houston, to a very nice home indeed. Mr. R. Fulton Cutting, John Noble Stearns, John H. Boswell, and A. S. Hatch were his trustees. Mike and Jerry never agreed very well. They were both Irishmen and too nearly alike, but both did glorious work in their respective spheres. From the work at Mulberry Street, Mike went to Detroit and opened a home. From there, he went to San Francisco and later to Philadelphia and Brooklyn, where he opened similar homes. He started the work which is now carried on by the Brooklyn City Mission under the supervision of Darwin J. Messerol. It was there that Mike died, and although he had passed through some very severe tests in the way of false friends and the desertion of his wife, who was never in sympathy with him, he was faithful to the last and died triumphant, 
trusting in Jesus. He had been brought up in the Roman Catholic faith, the same as Jerry Macaulay, but that church had no attraction for either of them after they had met Jesus. Well, I do remember the funeral sermon over Mike Dunn's lifeless remains by the Reverend Dr. Lyman Abbott. Its tender eloquence will never be effaced from my memory. Another character of this class that I wish to mention is Philip McGuire, Old Phil as we call him. He was born near the town of Mullingar, West Meath County, Ireland, March 17, 1831. He came to America when about two or three years of age and was brought up chiefly in the Fourth Ward. He was a thief in childhood and was in the house of refuge three times. Twice he ran away and once his father took him out. The last time he was sent away on a whaling voyage for three years around the world. He served twenty years at various times in different prisons. Before he was twelve years of age, he was arrested three times for stealing. In his second term in Sing Sing Prison, he became acquainted with Jerry McCauley. He was sitting by his side on the front bench that eventful morning when old awful Gardner spoke to the prisoners and was the means of turning Jerry from an evil life. I will not undertake to tell of the various crimes that Phil committed and for which he was sent to prison, as a recital of them would fill a much larger book than this. When Phil got out, he met Jerry McCauley on the street, and they greeted each other and shook hands, and then Jerry asked him to come down to his mission. He did not know what a mission was, but he came down here and made a start, such as it was. About that time, they were tearing down the old frame building and erecting the present building in its place, and old Phil was an all-around help, cook, etc. One day, a man came along who had promised to help Jerry with the new building, and as neither Jerry nor Maria was there, he gave Phil $900 in cash to give to Jerry every cent of which was faithfully turned over. But Phil was not faithful all the way through. He had promised and professed to give up tobacco, but Jerry caught him smoking and always suspected him. It was not long after that Phil began to drink, and one day he robbed the poor box downstairs of ten dollars. At last a trap was set for him. The money was marked. It was found on him, and he was arrested, and Jerry sent him back to prison. After this, there was a period of seventeen long years of debauchery and drunkenness. On the 23rd of November, 1892, old Phil came again to Water Street. He was so drunk he could hardly walk up the aisle, but he knelt down with the crowd and gave his poor, weary soul to Jesus. From that day to this, ten years, I bear witness to the faithfulness, honesty, and Christian character of our dear brother Philip McGuire. I have known him every hour since. He has been our janitor here for years, and a truer man never breathed. He worked in a lodging house after his conversion for a couple of years was a hard place. The hours were long, the wages poor, and the crowd very trying, but he went through it. One morning, after having worked all night, he came in to see me and said that he had something he wanted to tell me. I sat down in my office and told him to go ahead, and he said, Brother Hadley, the devil is after me. I robbed the poor box of ten dollars in the old life, and the devil tells me that because I done time for it, it is mine, but Jesus says, no, pay it back. And he handed me five two-dollar bills. I took them and took his hand with them, and with my dear wife we knelt down and thanked God for the conscience he had put in dear old Phil. On his last anniversary, he said, I tried to sober up for years to get back to the dear old mission, but I could not. The appetite was so strong. So at last I came in drunk and staggered to the altar. I was saved that night, and the Lord has kept me ever since. The next day, Mr. Hadley gave me twenty-five cents. Twelve cents I paid to get my shirt out of pawn, and I have never been broke since. I am not afraid of officers now, and when I meet a policeman, he bows to me. He also said, When I served the devil, I was never satisfied. 
I worked 10 years at one time for $15 a week, and when I was laid off, I had not money enough to keep me one week. When I began to serve the Lord, I worked for three years for $5 a week, and when I was laid off, I had money enough to keep me four months and some to spare. He is 73 years of age now and very feeble, but still takes charge of the work downstairs. Oh, what a Redeemer is Jesus, my Savior, forgiving my sins and bearing all my woe. Oh, what a Redeemer is Jesus, my Savior, proclaiming my liberty and washing me white as snow. End of chapter 9